Hey everyone, welcome back to the Inking Out Loud podcast. For this week's episode, we're returning to one of IOL's favorite authors, Robert Jackson Bennett. That's right, after our reviews of The Divine Cities and The Founders Trilogy, it's time to check in with the one and only RJB, as he has released the first in a new fantasy series, The Tainted Cup. Today's episode will cover parts one through three of the book. I'm, of course, your host, Drew McCaffrey, and my wife, Lauren, continues her streak of appearances. Cheers, guys. Yeah. Before we head into the episode itself, a quick reminder that we're on Patreon. Support for the show there helps keep the lights on and gives you access to all kinds of fun bonus content, such as exclusive episodes, original fiction, and more. All right. Let me open mine here, and then I'll jump into the summary. So... The Tainted Cup opens with our main character, Dinios Call, approaching his first murder scene as an, assist- as an assistant investigator for the Conum Empire. He finds a gruesome sight in one of the many palatial estates of the enormously wealthy Haza clan. Commander Blaz of the Engineering Corps has been killed by a tree that grew out from within his body. After Din studies the crime scene and interviews the few witnesses, permanently storing those memories thanks to his biological and magical enhancements as an engraver, he returns to his home base where he reports to his master, Anna Dolabra. She quickly pieces together a few clues, and that sets them on a wild new path. For even as they uncover the inside man who allowed the assassin into Haza grounds, they also receive word from the eastern sea walls where the might of the Empire tirelessly works to hold back giant leviathans rising from the sea floor. The walls have been breached, thanks to a series of similar murders, and just like Commander Blas. So Anna and Din head to the Frontier Command Center of Talagray, where they meet the local investigative team. Anna is unsatisfied with their work and sets Din onto the trail. Working with the assistant investigator Maljin, Din quickly starts peeling back the layers of intrigue. His efforts then lead them to discover that the poisoning of the ten local engineers must have taken place on the same night, in the same place. Yet another Haza clan estate. Since the whole Talagray team, with the exception of Maljin, were at the party that night, They're all under investigation, and Anna is placed at the head of things. But before they can take this new angle, the local Haza heiress appears and makes a shocking announcement. Her father has also been murdered. Oofta. Yeah. So, uh, we have a murder mystery fantasy here. And, And there's a lot to talk about in terms of style. Can I can I start out with one? Please. Uh, ode to Speaker for the Dead. I didn't say why. Okay. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. I also just realized that I totally wrote down Maljin instead of Miljin, which is uh, the name of the other invest the other assistant in Talagray. Oopsie. Yeah. So ignore that in my, uh, retcon that in my <laughs> summary. <laughs> I like, as I was saying, I was like, that doesn't sound right, but I just got to go with it. <laughs> um, this is what happens when I'm doing these, uh, these summaries from memory instead of like actually going point by point. And, but I wanted to, I wanted to do a shorter, easier one this time around because as I was thinking about it, I was like, I could get so into the weeds, pun intended, with this summary. Wow, Drew. Like, 
Because because we have to talk about like uh, in in terms of writing style here and and what Robert Jackson Bennett is doing, we got to talk about the world building because this is some unusual world building. It this is, is unusual biomagic. Uh, this is a world where like the houses have fern paper walls and the security systems are fungi that will paralyze or kill you. And in order to unlock the doors of these uh, like mosses and fungi, you have to have a, a vial of liquid that gives off the right scent that the plants and things will sense and retract from. All hail the fungi. Um, yeah, lots of molds and things. Uh, and and then we have the suffusions and grafts, which are the, the main magical things that augment human beings. Uh, you know, obviously, we have the engravers like Din who have perfect memories, but they use scent as a well, so do kind we. of touchstones. Yeah. Um, and then we have axioms, which uh, they, they've been also mentally changed to basically be really good at recognizing patterns and making connections and things. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's a few others. There, there are people Apoths. we, yeah. So, well, apoths are one of the, um, the ILETs as they're called. Yeah. Basically the main, uh, like, military arms of the empire we have the iudex which are the investigators and the like the justice arm we have the apoths who are um that definitely comes from apothecary like they deal with um contagion and and grafts and suffusions and things like that and then we have the legion and the engineers yeah um but but like some of the apoths we meet yeah they have uh augmented eyesight or smell or touch or things like that. Uh, we, we meet a few, or, or I should say we meet, we hear about uh, people in the Legion who have been augmented to be bigger, faster, stronger. We have like the cracklers who are apparently like 10 feet tall. We've seen them. We just not yeah. up close. Yeah. We don't know any of them. Um, so there's all kinds of crazy stuff that this biomagic makes possible in the world and i think it's a, a a refreshingly unique setting the world itself like i i love the the way he has this juxtaposition of cozy murder mystery feel at the start along with pacific rim basically mm, i was thinking more like attack on titan or attack on titan yeah totally yeah mm-hmm. and i feel like their world has been shrinking for a long time. Like they they lost one portion of it. How many years ago? Something like it doesn't. Well, but that the in this they lost that Canton. That's like on the interior of the Empire. They had mm-hmm. to like put a blockade around it because of the Dapple class. Oh, I just had another thought. Okay, you haven't seen um, one of the other Miyazaki movies, but there is a Miyazaki movie where basically these titans come through and they bring a mold with them, and then they die and they spread that mold and everything, and the water becomes toxic. 
and humans can't live there. Interesting. Which one is that? Is that uh, not? Is that Nausicaa. Not, that's not Nausicaa? It is Nausicaa. Oh, I have seen that. Did you finish it? Yeah. Oh, it's Princess Mononoke that we didn't finish. Yeah. Yeah, Nausicaa. Yeah, I was like, this sounds familiar. <laughs> um, Kaze no Tani no Naushika. That's... Yeah. Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is nice when they're exactly the same. Um, yeah, so uh, they they have managed to like maintain civilization despite these leviathans. There's you know a stretch of land from the sea all the way into the innermost part of the empire called the Titan's Path, but no leviathans have walked the Titan's Path in generations because of the sea walls, and they've developed gunpowder and bombards and things like that. Well, they haven't walked there since that first generation, that first, uh, the Conium? The Conum, yeah, the ones who founded the Empire and they built the that, sea walls. That race, yeah. since that race. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so <clears throat> we have this, like, crazy juxtaposition of, of like, world-ending giant leviathans and, and, and that is the background of a cozy little murder mystery. And I want to talk about the murder mystery side of things. So there's, there's a really clear um, parallel that you can make that a lot of people have made. And that is Sherlock Holmes and Watson. That Anna, Anna, um, I, I'm probably going to end up like flip-flopping on that pronunciation. Uh, she... I like Anna fits more. the the Sherlock Holmes role, right? Like she she's the mastermind who gets the clues and makes the connections, and 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 then Din is the one who goes out and kind of does a lot of the legwork, and then he he like helps her with what she needs, and so he's kind of like the sidekick Watson assistant investigator. However, um, I I noticed another parallel here, and I asked Robert Jackson Bennett about this recently in an AMA that he did what? on Reddit. Um, I wanted to know if there were any other inspirations for this, because this actually reminds me a lot of Garrett P.I. by Glenn Cook. Okay. Where Garrett is like the normal dude who goes out and does the investigating and brings the details and, and clues and things back. And then he has the dead man who's this like, unbelievably intellectually powerful, but dead, literally dead. He, he's a non-human <laughs> who died, but his soul like just decided, nah, I'm going to stick around with my dead body. Yeah. I remember. You um, and, this. and I was like, this reminds me of that with, with Anna, especially like when she's something about her with the blindfold really put me in mind of the dead man mm. and how she would just like lock herself in a trunk <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, and so I was curious to see if Bennett answered and said, oh, I read Garrett P.I. And he didn't say that. But what he said is Rex Stout, the Nero Wolf books, which are not fantasy. They're much older. This, these are, I think, like the 30s and 40s um, mystery series. But that series directly inspired Glenn Cook oh, when he wrote Garrett P.I. Really? Yeah. And 
And so him, like Bennett saying that was like, okay, two and two put together. Like that's fun. Yeah. Uh, and so that made reading this like that, that just added a, a fun little layer. Now I haven't personally read any Nero Wolf books yet. Uh, any Rex Stout they're on the list. Like I, I was already planning on reading them after reading Garrett P.I. And now after reading this and knowing that Bennett was inspired by Rex Stout, I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta add these. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. Sooner rather than later. I'm into this. Yeah. So we definitely have like a lot of, um, mystery tropes, like hard boiled detective mystery tropes going on here. Cause it's easy to say, oh, well, well, like, so many fantasy books have a mystery at their core. I mean, you think of Brandon Sanderson. How many of those books, like, the main problem is a mystery that we have to solve? And But the way he goes about solving those mysteries is, is totally different from the classic, like, tropes of mystery stories. Mm-hmm. And here we get that a lot more, where we're leaning into these, like, kind of archetypal characters yeah and we've got their grunt too yeah and and yet as i said though he's still managing to blend like epic fantasy into it with the leviathans and the empire and so that makes it this it really feels fresh to me oh yeah to me too even though I, i mean i know i said i had three thoughts of three different series in my head Still. <laughs> right. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and again, uh, sticking on style, we've already covered Divine Cities and we've already covered the founders on here. And it's it's pretty cool to me how each of these three series now, fantasy series that Bennett has worked on, has a pretty dramatically different narrative style. Um, this is a first person story. It feels very, very close, uh, partially because of, you know, the format of the story and and the mystery side of things, but it's, uh, Din, Din, Din kind of like, he's a little stuffy and formal as a, as a person operating in the world, but his, relationship with Anna is so casual. Like in a lot of ways, it doesn't feel like she's bossing him around everywhere. Like he talks back to her a lot. There's a lot of snark. Yes, he does. And And he manages her sometimes. Yeah. And so there's like almost a casual feel to the writing in this that I, I'm not sure I've really got in, in divine cities and founders in Divine Cities, that's a present tense book, which is, or a series, which is strange for uh, epic fantasy, but he does it really well. And then Founders is more of like what we've come to accept as standard, quote unquote, among modern epic fantasy books, third person limited, third person close, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so he's doing different things in his narration here. And I think that plays really nicely, once again, into the mystery side of things. I do think this ties back to a lot of those uh, hard-boiled detective stories tend to be in first person. 
And it makes sense because then you're limited on the information that you know because mm-hmm. you only know what they know. Right. Like an omniscient narrator wouldn't really work for this. But but I think the intimacy of first person also helps with, with kind of like build the stakes and build build the mood and, and tension of the story. So and, and Din's a good character for that. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there are any other style notes that I had. When we've talked about the magic, we've talked about the setting, kind of the inspirations and roots of the story. Um, Characters? You want to talk about how they're built? Do you like? Do you have any thoughts on development of them? I mean, we'll get to that with character. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have any other style things that I'll bring up. It's a five-part book. Actually, I think it's five parts. Pretty sure it's five parts. Yeah, it is. Um, which is not, like, always the case. I mean, I, the last book that I read for the podcast, this episode is going to come out before that one, but uh, was Cain Blackknife. And that is a two-part book, which is always kind of weird. I feel like normally you're either going to see three or five. Uh, but Are the parts named? I always skip those. In this? Yeah. Yes, they are. Oh. Um, part one is The Man in the Tree. Okay. Part two is The Breach. And part three is Three Keys and Ten Dead Engineers. Yeah, I always skip the titles of the parts. Yeah. And then part four where we're, like, uh, getting into... Uh, this is actually really perfect considering the final scene with uh, Fayazi Haza coming in and and doing her thing. Part four is called Hell and the Gentry. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, let's... Okay, let's talk about characters. Uh, we, can, we can start with Din. Okay, I, I have some thoughts on Din. Yeah, there's a lot going on here. So, when the story started... I had to keep reminding myself like three or four times the first couple chapters, maybe it was the first chapter, that Din was a boy and not a girl. Hmm. Um, And I think that's because Din is very timid. And usually when I read that, a character that way, it's because they're a woman. And also Din is... uh, has some issues with respect. Like nobody respects him. <laughs> They're all very disrespectful to him. Uh, I think it's also worth pointing out that he even describes himself as not being particularly masculine looking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so I kept reading and thinking, oh, this is a woman. And then someone would say, sir. And I'd be like, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a, not a woman. Yeah, so when, when he looks at himself in the mirror in the, the bathhouse at the very beginning, he describes his own face as a very young man's face with a thick shock of black hair, dark, worried eyes, and the slightly gray skin of someone who'd undergone significant suffusions and alterations. I studied the face's delicate chin and long nose. Pretty features, not masculine, nor rugged, nor handsome, but pretty, and how awkward they looked on a person so large. 
Yeah. I guess I have more of a feel of him than a picture of him. Sure. I, I will say for me, the thing that always stuck hard was his height because I'm also a tall person and, and he, the he, way Din kind of moves through the world as a tall person. And like every time you meet somebody new, they're like, <gasps> and like they look him up and down and they're like, and he, he's very self-conscious of his height very. and self-conscious of other people noticing his height. Yes. Like I get the feeling from reading him that he wants to be average size. He does not want to stick out because of his height. He would really yeah. prefer to. Yeah. Um, but so there's one other notable defining attribute to Din. Okay. He is dyslexic. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It is not every day that you read a dyslexic character. Yes. And so I've also learned from a friend that there are different types of dyslexia and different ways that you deal with it. Hmm. I don't fully understand that, but I definitely didn't know there were different types. Yeah, uh, it, it is. It's really clever how he manages to find workarounds. I like that. It. He prepares, basically. He reads things in advance out loud, very slowly and stubbornly working through his dyslexia and then remembers what he says, engraves what he says. And yeah. then he often pretends like he's reading it in the moment to somebody else when he's really just reciting words from memory. I wonder, I wonder if Anna can help him with this. I know she knows already. <clears throat> you think she does? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and clearly this was a cause for conflict in the past because he did very, very poorly in his classes. and Well, his exams. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then suddenly he knocked two exams out of the park. <laughs> and there is a great deal of anxiety inside of him regarding that fact. So something happened there. Well, I wonder what, if they're a different type of exam. Yeah, it's true. We we have not gotten really much detail about what those... Uh, because he he crushed it on the IUDEX exam. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then it was so shocking that people were like, we don't believe this. Let's test him again. And he knocked it out of the park on that one too. Yeah, I, I just assumed that it was a different kind of test. Mm -hmm. And so it was easier and well, and, and there are um, there are certainly people who view it that way. Like there is the one guy, uh, was it was it Miljin? It must have been Miljin uh, who tells him like you were made for the Iodex. And he's yes. like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, you like I I've heard about you. You did terribly on everything, and then you were amazing on the Iodex exams. Yeah. So. And and I gotta say, like working in the disabled students' office. And working with a lot of students who have different things, different like processing things, man, do I feel for him. Like, yeah. Testing sucks for, for people who aren't made to take tests that are written in this specific way mm -hmm. with this amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. You can be brilliant and it doesn't matter if you're bad at tests. Yeah. That sucks. 
I mean, I, I remember things like the, the ACTs, which were strictly timed tests. And there were a lot of kids I knew who struggled with them because not because they didn't know the material, but because they were slow readers and they just couldn't get through all the questions reading them before the time ran out. Yep. And they got lower scores because the last 10 questions were just left unanswered. Yeah. It's brutal. The cat is getting into things. <laughs> you are very distractible. Um, yeah. Uh, I find this to be a really compelling character trait. Uh, I'm not quite going to go out of my way to say it's a character flaw, but it's definitely a challenge. And I do think it plays into a character flaw. And that is Din's supreme lack of self-confidence. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and, and then (laughs) he's also in a tough position with this because one of the things that, you know, if you lack self-confidence, you know, you, you need moral support, yeah. right? You, you need positive reinforcement. And Anna is not great at that. No. And, <laughs> and where is his family? He told us he's not close to them. He tells us he sends mm-hmm. his money to them. Yep. And he that's doesn't really have it. many friends. He mentions a couple of friends early on, but they're like, gone. They, yeah they're off doing their career things when he was stuck in school. And he's older. He's an older mm-hmm. student, so we can't make new friends his age. Yep. Yeah. But it is nice. Like, I, I feel like these chapters after they arrive in Talagray and he's going off and doing his investigative stuff, he is forging a couple of new friendships, new relationships uh, with Milgen and with uh, Strophy, the captain. Yeah. Well, I don't think that's a friendship. Mm. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> no. Yeah, there's there's one there's one moment there uh, when after they have their uh, they stop for a drink, and yeah, <laughs> it's a little awkward. <laughs> well, I think Strophy like doesn't even give him time to meet him halfway before he's like, uh, uh, mm. <laughs> I definitely. Yeah, I, I see that happening again. Yeah. But also I thought it was sweet. Yeah. So, and like, this is, this is something I was planning on bringing up anyway. Uh, I appreciate that Bennett isn't making romance, like, a big deal in this story. It is, it is part of life, but it is not, right. like, the focus. Like, I, I feel like a lot of authors get dragged into this trap of, like, well, if my main character is going to have a love interest or a romantic interest or whatever, I have to spend a ton of time on that. And... <sighs> you and, don't. And you don't. You really don't. And And this actually reminds me a bit of A Memory Called Empire. Oh, yeah. By Arkady Martin. Yeah, okay. And uh, I, I won't go into like, detail and spoilers, but I remember finishing that book and thinking, like, that was a really well-done romantic arc, in part because 
there wasn't a ton of focus on romance. It was just like the characters were allowed to be themselves. Yes. In a challenging situation and, and things just developed naturally instead of feeling like the author's got to be like, Oh, I need a romantic scene here and I need a romantic scene here. And and here's the arc of, you know, like something else we've read, like something else we've read. Uh, well, and also it doesn't feel like checking boxes. <laughs> it doesn't feel like, no, well, this is no. the obligatory scene mm-hmm. and this is the obligatory, you know, this, right. It's just, they are it's, who they it's are. Like a, a little, a little spark of chemistry yes. that we get. Yes, and that and it an, gets time and, and space to grow without the author shoving it down our throats. And it's awkward, like all oh, I don't know starts and of I relationships think, are. I think this, like this, may even be a bit of a style point, um, but like this is particularly notable right now uh, in February of 2024 when yeah. there is an absolute booming subgenre in romanticy right now like like directly like those books are about the romance oh what was that one and they just happen to be in a fantasy world the fourth wing is the one that's like mega mega popular right now right but also like sarah j moss uh, she's been huge for years now a court of thorns and roses and and throne of glass and uh crescent city i think is her other one yeah but i know two people reading those yeah Yeah, we, we just had a friend read the first Throne of Glass, and, and he was not a fan. <laughs> so he went back to Brandon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so with Din, like, Din gets to just be Din and not, like, he's in the most stressful time of his entire life. Yeah. He really doesn't have time to spend thinking about romance right now. No. So, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, do you have any more about Din that you want to bring up? In, no, not that I can think of specifically, but... Well, I, okay, I, I have one more. I have one more. Yeah, then. yeah. Uh, I uh, This ties back to how he, he, you know, does his workaround for reading, but how many things he just like memorizes the instructions for <laughs> like, like I loved, I, I laughed out loud uh, when, you know, he does his lock picking spree and he's like, I don't really know how to pick locks. I just memorized like the patterns for like three different locks. And, and then when he reports to Anna and she's like, and he's like, did I do something wrong? And she's like, no, Actually, yes. You didn't tell me you could pick locks. And he's like, well, I don't. I just memorized the instructions for a couple different... She's like, that is basically the definition of knowing how to pick locks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But then we also see him... uh, The reason he finished first in his class in swordsmanship is because he, like, did the... Memorize the muscle yeah, movements. Yeah, he memorized the muscle movements and memorized the lessons from his instructor. And he kind of just lets his memory take over his body in combat. And he and he like goes crazy on some dudes. Uh, yeah. That was fun, actually. It was. That was and very I, fun. I loved the incredulity of like everybody after that. <laughs> so. And then it's like, wait, 
you didn't even have a sword. Yeah, yeah, and they're like, yeah, Strovi, like he's like, let's let's wipe your sword off and put it back in your sheath. And he tries to stuff it back in and doesn't fit. And he's like, that's not your sword. And he's like, no, I didn't have one. My practice sword, I lost it. He's like, and then he just starts laughing because what else can you do? <laughs> yeah, that was great. Okay, so so my next thought is when when this scene was happening. Okay, so. We clearly see that he can memorize muscle movements. Mm-hmm. Um, can he memorize? I wonder if he has access to his thoughts from a memory. See, I don't think so. Otherwise, he wouldn't have to speak out loud when memorizing words. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. So there are limitations on this memorizing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious where else he's limited. Mm-hmm. Like, what what about feel? I'm guessing not, not so much. Like, he's got muscle movement, but feel? Uh, I, I imagine feel is involved. Like, sensory things are, are covered. I, he certainly remembers taste and smell. Didn't they blindfold him for something and he was like, left, left, right, left? Or something. I mean, he remembers the instructions... When they're trying to find um, the address. Well, he's got a map in his head. Yeah, 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 he gives them the... I don't remember him being blindfolded at any point, though. Well, maybe maybe I'm mixing things up. Yeah. I mean, I know he had to turn away for the... The locks and things for the... Yes. In the... Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he, he remembers all the sounds. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just interesting. Okay, let's talk about Anna. Okay. Uh, I told you what I felt early on. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen through many manga and many anime characters like this who are eccentric. And it's no longer always new and fun. Sometimes it feels contrived. And it did for me here, but I think there there's an opportunity to fill in her character. So yeah, this is where you know what I was talking about earlier on about archetypes and how she is the, the dead man. She is Nero she, Wolf. Yeah. She is Sherlock Holmes. She's like, the genius eccentric type. Yeah, um, but I think she's a ton of fun. I think I, she's fun. I yeah, just like, like don't believe her yet. She's got to have more depth as a character. Uh, what what augmentations do you think she has? She's, so she's definitely got touch. Okay. Um, I think she also has one of the uh, memory ones or mind ones where she makes the all the connections very I, easily. You think she's an axiom? Yes, that too. Uh, and I'm genuinely asking this because I have read this book before, but I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> good. I am not an engraver. I am. Pretty... I have a good memory, but I I read this quite a while ago, and I blazed through it that first time when I got the arc, and and because it was just I was having so much fun with it, um, but also I didn't like. I I I just like moved straight on because I was so busy and. And I, I've definitely forgotten a lot. Um, I'm okay, so I'm convinced <laughs> there's 
There's at least those two. Okay. And then there's one that I'm not sure about. Hmm. All right. Like, I, I know there's going to be a surprise one. Hmm. Okay. That she's hiding. Okay. So I will tell you, because uh, I remember this much, around this point of the book, because there have been a couple of times recently where Din, like, thinks about asking her. Yeah. Um, and it got, of course, as Bennett intended, it got me thinking, like, oh, I wonder what she has. I remember thinking she doesn't have any, and that's the twist. But then, Could be. but then I was like, no, but isn't she described as like having the gray skin? Yes, she is. So I she's got at him. least one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because Din Din describes it when he first sees her. Mm-hmm. Um, my other thought is that she's one of the nobility. Oh yeah, she's definitely got history. Like, yeah, but she I... knows people in in high places. She had her time in the inner empire yeah. before apparently pissing off enough people that she got banished. Well, that makes total sense uh, to me. Yeah, she's she could be a lot. So she could be high, but maybe not that high. Um, she definitely has. She shares her opinion. She's here. for sure got some opinions on the Hazas. Yeah, I was going to read it. Let's see what she says. Yeah, she has encountered these people. Here she says, And then I heard her scoff and mutter ever so softly, This smug little bleep. Here we fucking go. Oh, I didn't bleep that part. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Incredible. Lauren censors bitch and not fucking. (laughs) <laughs> you know great. why you know why because one's one's a name calling and the other is a, a like descriptor. A descriptor i don't know that was that was great <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um okay so uh milgen what do you think about him he's interesting i like him i like him a lot He's got some depth to him, and I think he might have some memory or mental issues huh? uh, because of the way, you know, when they interrogated, he had to recall and, like, go back to his notes. and. Well, I think that's just showing that he's a normal dude and not an engraver. <laughs> yeah, but he's been doing this investigation for how long now? I don't think he's been doing it for that long and I don't think he's been doing serious stuff because you think he's just the bra. Well, he was a legionnaire. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was his but majority of his career. He's been working on this investigation since it started. Yeah. Like two days earlier. Not two days. Is it two days? I thought it was more than two days. It's, it's been like by the end of part three, the investigation has been ongoing for what? 10 days. Yes. Okay, so maybe maybe like six days that he'd been working on it, but but clearly, quote unquote, working like that's one of Anna's big deals is she's like, it is weird that they haven't done more. They're not doing the stuff they should be. So they had the appearance of it because they had all those papers yeah. in a whole messy room. Yeah, and they looked a little sleep but, deprived. But, but they were, yeah, they were not focusing on. 
anything useful. And they clearly were trying to yeah. skip over some big thing with uh, laws. Yeah, well, they, they ignored the fact that he was, like, a, a creep, basically. And well, they that, worked with And that he was, yeah. But they clearly knew. Yep. And they didn't make a big deal about it when uh, Din brought it up in the in the review of the the crime scene and, and witness interrogation. So yeah, there's, there's definitely something going on there. And then of course we find out that all three of them, Nusis, Callista and Uhad are with, they were all at the party that night. Didn't, didn't mention it. Yeah. Great. Um, although I, I do think like given their reactions there, they didn't realize that party was like, Because they were all like, "Oh, oh, crap!" Like, am I? Uh, was it, I, it? It was Callista. She she was like, like, like I, I feel stiffness in my lungs. I have contagion. I like, I'm I'm gonna die. Well, and she's like, yeah. she's wrong because all of them had it from the lower back. Uh, yeah. not the lungs. Yeah, which I think means they ate something. Oh, maybe. Uh, but, but yeah, I, like, obviously there's like something going on there with the investigation, but, um, but I don't think Milgen's part of it. No, no. I get the impression that he's very honest. I mean, first of all, they just tested him with, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the, the passport and uh, the Ar- Ar- Arista, coins. whatever her name. Yeah. The, the secretary, Blas's secretary. And he clearly passed that test. He was yes. extremely upset, and he brought everything right away. Rona Aristan, yeah, yeah. Um, so I like him, and he he is trying to be helpful and kind. He's to just Din. not a people person. Yeah, but he's trying hard <laughs> with Din. <laughs> he's being very respectful. Yeah, he's got a really cool sword, and I wonder what his history is because everybody bowed to him. Yeah, he's a big deal. And he's got a, like, fancy, fancy sword. Uh, he also doesn't have a giant ego. Mm-hmm. So what's the story there? Yep. Is he broken? Does he have soldier's heart or something? I mean... What do you do? I would say his attitude toward war heroics reminds me a lot of, like, what most people I know who've actually seen combat act yeah. like yeah and reminds me a lot of how glenn cook writes soldiers because he actually saw combat yeah like he he knew those guys you know and yeah um yeah i don't know uh are there any other characters you in particular want to talk about Uhad's pretty short yeah. um what do you think of uh the girls nusis and calista I like Nusis. Nusis is fun. She's she's got a bit of like a mad scientist vibe going on. Yeah, I like, like her. The jars of worms. I would she have goes jars on her, of worms. She goes on her whole thing about like how great worms are, even though worms are like clearly super super dangerous in this world. They are great. <laughs> Hold on, they are great. All right, they do. There are many things. They're very interesting. Yeah. She's like, give them enough time, they will figure out how to eat every part of you. <laughs> Well, um, they're pretty, yeah, they're yeah, pretty great. Yeah, she's I'm just going to say, I, I love parasitology. 
Yeah, I, know I you love do. it. Well, I'm I'm telling. <laughs> I see. Uh, yeah. So I think she and I would be friends. Probably. I really hope she she's not more involved than I think she is. Because <laughs> I like her. Yeah. Um, I don't like Callista, but we've barely seen her. She just seems a little snooty. That's all. Yeah, she she seems kind of shallow. Um, and granted, this is through Din's perspective, and like his immediate, his first impression of her is like, she's just all about appearances, and, and she's she, shallow. She never wanted to be here. Yeah. She wants to be looked at. Yeah. So, Boring. So like that is. Like, Din's opinion of her is definitely tinting our opinion of her. You know? Yeah, but I really don't... There have been a couple instances where she says things. Like, I know this is from mm-hmm. Din's perspective, and I don't know that he's an unreliable narrator. I don't think we're supposed to read Din as an unreliable narrator. Good. Then I don't, I don't like how she talks. She doesn't seem to want to do the work. She seems very annoyed with her job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And okay. being asked... Um, I think that's about all I had on, on characters myself. Um, what about the, um, what is, what is her title? Commander? Oh, Vashta? Uh, normal, competent commander figure. She's, she's like really not there much, so. Okay. Um, uh, d- we didn't talk about her um strivo strovi strovi thank you i mean we talked about him barely he's like din's age yeah what's he doing in this position i mean he's gentry well now we know that yeah he's got no augmentations yep because he's supposed to have kids so that Mm. means he's supposed to be out of trouble so why is he here this is where trouble is no We're told, though, like, it's not that he's supposed to be out of trouble. It's he has to gain prestige. Right. Tons of gentry folk come out to the border, out to the seawalls, in order to gain respect and prestige. Like, that's why there's a whole, like, rich people part of Taladrae. Yeah, but they're more watching. Oh, but there are also tons of them in the military. Like, serving in one of the islets is a big deal. Why is he more involved? I feel like he's running away from his family. Hmm. Okay. And I'm glad that he doesn't have his nose up in the air because that's nice. No, he's pretty chill. He's pretty down to earth. Um, I did like the scene when he like brings Din and he's like, you know, let's stop in for a. I know you would love the idea of that clarity. Sounds fantastic. Um, and I, and so I got a crack out of that reading, you know, we, we find out what clarity is. It's, it's like super, super caffeine, basically, um, ma- and magical. And then they mix it with booze. And I was like, magical for loco. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you think? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, is that safe? <laughs> no. The answer is no. <laughs> uh, yep. Yep. Uh, oh, you know, I, I do love 
that they get everything from the Leviathan Titan. They say yeah. both names. Why do they say both names? Things can have more than one name. Yeah, but the big bad always has like, ooh, that. I, I don't have an issue with that. At first, I assumed that they were a myth used by the government to control everybody's actions. Oh. <laughs> That's wrong. Clearly, that was wrong. <laughs> Swing and a miss right there. That was chapter one, all right? <laughs> but it is it is cool that uh, like that's where they get these like magical, biological tr- transformative things is from Titan's blood, which is poisonous. Yeah, super. But also feeds plants. Yeah, like causes massive growth spurts in in wildlife around where they die. And they're not mushrooms. They're not all mushrooms. There's like trees and grass and stuff, but they're weird trees and grass. Yeah. So. I'm with Anna. Like, yeah. what happens if you eat some? <laughs> I I bet that's <laughs> dangerous. <laughs> or awesome. And the secret to it all. Uh, okay. okay. Nah, she she and I would be buds. Yeah, but, yeah, I know you would. Um. She does get like hyper fixated on things just like you do. All hail the yeast. <laughs> All hail the mices. <laughs> they control the world and our brains. Yes. <laughs> oh man. Uh, okay. Well, do you have any like miscellaneous thoughts? I know we're I mean, we're a little over halfway. Um going to the end of part three. So we're yeah, like fifty six percent of the way through the book. Yeah, who's this Haza witch? She sucks. I'll say that. She's obnoxious. <laughs> um, like I, I yeah. feel, I feel like she's gonna be one of those. Um, you may not speak to me. I will only speak. Well, well, to we, we already got one of those with the housekeeper at the very beginning. Who, who would just, like, literally turn her body away from you while she talks to you, and she just speaks into the corner. And just going to say that reminds me of somebody we met at JordanCon a few years ago. Oh, yeah, that's the first time I've been spoken to uh, from, you know, an, an angle, a turned-away angle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Great. Yeah, so, like, it, it cracked me up that Anna had didn't bring her over just to inconvenience her. She's like, I just wanted to ruin her day. <laughs> she's, she sounded like she was perfectly horrible. So I wanted to ruin her day. <laughs> oh man. It's great. It's okay. Great so, so I guess that, that does bring up to me when we find out that she doesn't leave her hut, I'm going to call it a hut because it's in the swamp. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> When we find that out, my first thought was like, okay, is this really a choice or not? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it is. Maybe. I mean, she very clearly leaves her hut and like, like when necessary. Yeah, and she, how, she how goes brutal around. is this really? Like, is she, is she overemphasizing like the shut the window, Din? 
you want me to die? Like, are you, do you want me to acclimate or not? I think she's just really persnickety. She likes her comforts and has enough power to get them. Is it because she's entitled to her comforts or is it because it is so overwhelming? I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, okay. Well, uh, I think that brings us to the end of our conversation on parts one through three of the Tainted Cup. But of course, we have to have a final draft out of not a Tainted Cup. All hail the Mices. <laughs> they, they make us brew it, and they make us feed them, and they make us help them grow. No, I'm talking about that one. Oh, you're talking about that one? Yeah. Okay, well, you're holding this one. It's so good. <laughs> okay, well, we have <laughs> we have two beers here, obviously. Okay. Both from Cerebro Brewing Company. Did you did you notice a thing about both of them? Uh, I really wasn't paying much attention to flavor wise. Nope, appearance. While talking, I mean they're both hazy. That's a really hazy pale ale, like really hazy pale ale. Yes. Yeah. Um, but look at this foam. Big bubbles. Not only that, but I was watching yours. Oh, when I first poured it, yeah, giant bubbles. Yeah, I'm pretty darn sure they both have tetra hop extract. Oh, interesting. Okay. Pretty sure. Wouldn't surprise me. It was very stable. Yeah. Uh, well, talk about your yours first. Okay. So mine is a pale ale uh, from Cerebral. Oh, it won the World Beer Cup Silver. Silver. Oh, no way. For a juicy or a hazy pale ale. That's well, why. Well, yeah. It's an, it's, a, it's an IPA. Sure. <laughs> uh, it's got Citra, Idaho 7, and Motueka. It's, a, it's an IPA. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Citra, your standard, like, one of the sweet hops. Idaho 7. That, yeah, that's interesting. That's like three different... They're all different. Yeah. I know seven can be more. Resiny. Yeah. yeah. And Motueka is a New Zealand. Yeah. They've got weird. I still don't have words to describe them. They're weird. They're all you in the same way. Weird. I feel like they're fruity, but not. They're, they're like a different family of fruit. Like I always get like a lot of pear out of those. They have this... Like they're definitely not citrusy. They're not, like, sweet, apple-y. They're, they're like... There's, like, almost a graininess to it, which is why I always think of pear. Because, like, the texture of a pear. I get this weird... Um, I don't know. Astringency isn't the right word, but it's a weird type of bitter hmm. that's that I still need to figure out words for. Yeah. Okay, so... What's the ABB? Uh, oh, 5.2. Okay. Wow. Well, that makes sense because I didn't feel it. Yeah. Like the heat on my tongue. Um, But this one has like a bunch of different like muscle diagrams. Yeah. On it. And, and this one is, is, I know I said muscle, but still, this one's for Din. Yeah. And it's called Muscle Memory. Perfect. So before I talk about mine... I'm going to throw Lauren under the bus here for a moment. 
Yeah. We were talking earlier today about like, oh, you know, we got to get some beers for, for this episode. <laughs> and uh, I had a hockey game earlier today down down in Denver. And I was like, oh, we're going to be down there and we have a gift card to Cerebral. Like, why don't we stop in? And Laura's like, oh, they're not going to have anything good for. And I was like, Cerebral has great named beers. We'll we'll check it out here. I'll, I'll pull up their website and look. And I'm reading the names off and there were like six or seven good ones. <laughs> uh, I was like, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah not usually wrong so fast <laughs> it, was, it was perfect um, uh so yeah we we did stop in after after my uh hockey game and picked up a couple of four packs uh but mine is an india pale ale with vanilla which is interesting i like it, um, it and it is quite sweet it, there's a lot of vanilla in this uh 6.5 percent the label is is like this black, yeah, black, maybe like really dark navy. Um, but it's got a bunch of these just like glowing blue-green orbs scattered all over it. And it is called Luminous Glow. And uh, just the color described that the My Lanterns give off with their little glow worms. Yeah, I, I really like that. <coughs> It yeah. looks it looks very similar, and also I mean, this is so in theme. Every like there are so many funguses that help you <laughs> in this world that they've built. They do, they do. Okay, so this has been episode two hundred seventeen of the Inking Out Loud podcast. Next up, we're going to be going right on into the second half of the Tainted Cup. So stay tuned for that. Going to be a lot of fun. As always, if you want to support the show, check us out on Patreon. We appreciate every dollar people uh, donate to us there. It is it is a big deal. <laughs> so thank you for our current patrons, and I hope those of you who are not, uh, check it out. I have been your host, Drew McCaffrey, and with me is Lauren McCaffrey. All hail the Mices. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.